to you. That means how you doing. <laughs> you have to excuse me. I got a, a, a bit of a cough, and I've been drinking a lot of water to, uh, to try to get rid of the cough. So you see me run out the door. It's nothing serious. I'm just going to the men's room. <laughs> uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be here in the pulpit this morning, Lord. Father, we thank you for each and every one that's here, Father God. Uh, we pray for those that, that couldn't make it, Lord. We pray for those that will be uh, uh, watching online, Father. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit, Lord, to fill this place this morning, Lord, that we would feel him in a very, very uh, a tangible way, Father God, that he would, he would flood this place, Father God. That he would touch that uh, he 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 would touch each and everyone here this morning, Lord. I pray, Father, that this this message would awaken us, Father, to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, Father God. Father, you 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 you've convicted me while I was preparing this message. You, uh, uh, um, I, I've experienced uh, a lot of things, Father God, doing it doing this message. You, uh, and so pray, Father. I I pray, Father, that people would be. Uh, be, be, be convicted today, Lord, and uh, they would uh, want more of your Holy Spirit, Lord, a fresh, a, a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. Father, we lift up Daniel to, uh, to you, Father, who's uh, recovering over in the hospital in New York after his surgery. I pray, Lord, that it would be uh, uh, quick, complete, and uh, relatively pain-free. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. I don't know, maybe you heard about the guy who was lost in the desert. And he was starting to get a little bit worried because he had run out of water. That's water. <laughs> but, but far off in the distance, he's seen this guy sitting at a table selling ties. And he gets to the guy and he, he, he said, water, water, I need water. He says, I don't have any water, but you want to buy a tie? He says, no, I don't want to buy a tie. I, I, I don't need a tie. I, I, I need water. He said, are you sure you don't want a tie? He says, buddy, I, want, I need water. He says, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. My brother, he owns a restaurant just over that hill. And if you go over there, tell him I sent you, and he'll give you all the water that you need. So the guy trudges, slowly trudges over the hill, and, and, uh, and he trudges over the hill, and about the half hour or so later, the guy comes crawling back. And he says, how did you make out? Did you see my brother? He says, yeah, I saw him, but he wouldn't let me in without a tie. Well, this morning we're going to hear about a, a, another guy who was in the desert in need of water. Not physical water, but, but living water. The living water of the Holy Spirit that gives eternal life. You see, the Spirit of God gives spiritual life to those who believe in Jesus Christ. And it's the Spirit of God who, who convicts people of their sin and their need for Christ. And then he indwells those who trust Christ as their Savior. This means when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, the, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our heart, bringing with him an entirely new life of, of love, relationship, and service to the Lord. Maybe there are some here this morning who haven't trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior yet. And you're thinking, well, this message isn't for me. Well, not so fast. You ain't getting away that easy. See, well, first of all, we're so glad you're here. And maybe you've been seeking after the Lord, and maybe you're a skeptic, or maybe you're even just completely disinterested. Nevertheless, I believe it's the Holy Spirit that led you here this morning. 
So this morning we're going to be introduced, or for some of us reintroduced, to our friend the Holy Spirit. You ready? Turn with me, if you will, to, uh, let me see, in Acts this morning, Acts 8, 26 to 40, we're going to observe an ordinary conversation from a guy named Philip and how he's sensitive to the power of the Holy Spirit and how the, the Spirit works through uh, him to reach one other person. And we're going to see this morning that God wants to awaken us to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That's this morning's title. God wants to awaken us to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. So turn with me, if you will, to Acts, and we're going to be reading from verse 26 to 40. And now, <coughs> and now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official from Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to slaughter. Like a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through the as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So what's happening in, uh, uh, at this point in the book of Acts? Well, men and, men and women filled with the Spirit are preaching, and, and people are coming by the thousands. They're putting their faith and trust and hope in, in Jesus. They're opening their homes. <clears throat> they're, they're being generous. Then this great persecution, persecution happens in the church, and they're scattered everywhere. And Philip, one of the first deacons of the early church, goes to this place called Samaria, and this great spiritual awakening has happened. See, this isn't the apostle Philip. This is, a, this is another Philip. And he's usually distinguished from the, the disciple of the same name by calling him Philip the Evangelist or Philip the Deacon. And it's often assumed that this Philip was one of the 72 men that Jesus sent out in, in Luke 10, although the Bible doesn't make that connection. But we do know that Philip was one of the original seven deacons selected to serve in the Jerusalem church. This Philip had an, a, a heart for evangelism. And when this great persecution arose in chapter 1 of Acts, Philip left Jerusalem to become a, a, an evangelist in Samaria. And after the church in Samaria was started, 
Philip, used, Philip was used by the Holy Spirit to bring the gospel to this Ethiopian eunuch. Remember, Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, Philip was experiencing this great move of God, the great move of God when an angel says, I want you to leave this place and, and go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And this probably doesn't make any sense to Philip, right? But, but Philip, although he didn't understand, by faith, he went and made himself available. And when we make ourselves available, God will use us. That's our first point this morning. When we make ourselves available, God will use us. Verse 26 says, And now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go, and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his char chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now there were two roads that actually went from Gaza to Jerusalem. One being the more traveled road, it was called the, the King's Highway, and that went along the coast. But the spirit commands Philip to take the one that's seldom used, the one that goes through the desert. But check this out. The phrase toward the south, as it's used here, it means at noon. It's the same word that Paul uses in Acts 22, and he's talk, as he's talking about Paul on his way, Saul on his way to Damascus. He says, as I was on my way and drew near to, to Damascus, about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. The word is masambria, uh, <clears throat> I think that's how you say it. Now, why he didn't say you know, at noon in both places? I don't know, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> See, this, this would make the, the, the divine command to Philip uh, all the more unusual and, 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 and baffling. See, at, at noon, the road would be deserted because nobody would be traveling there because of the heat. And Philip must have been like, why would I leave an exciting place like this uh, uh, with all those good things are going on and, and stand by the desert road? There isn't going to be anybody there now. What's, what's happening here? See, even though he, didn't, he doesn't understand, he went. Right? Okay, I'm by the side of the road. I'm on assignment. And he's looking. And he's watching. And he's listening. And he's there. And he's made, him, he's made himself available. And he's, he's waiting for God to use him. See, God had a plan. And when we make ourselves available, God will use us too. Just show up wherever God puts us, not trying to figure out what to do next, just stopping and looking. God, I'm, I'm at this intersection. Who might need to hear a message of, of your love today? Scanning the landscape. Maybe for us it's getting to the office a few minutes early and just sit in front of God, inviting the Holy Spirit. Give me love for your people today, Lord. Show me someone who's sad or angry. Help me to find ways to encourage them. Help me to ask the right questions and, and, and listen for their answer. See, there's something powerful about being available and inviting the Holy Spirit to speak. <coughs> Excuse me. There was a, one Wednesday night when I was preaching down at the Salvation Army in Newark. Well, we, we always give the, the guys an opportunity to, to accept Christ. 
But we don't usually ask him to get up out of the seat and, and come down and stand in front of the, the, the platform because maybe some of the other guys, you know, they, they'd be teasing him about it and, and, and busting their chops. So what we do, we, we always have a, a, a prayer request sheet that we bring. And they can sign their name or, or their initials, their prayer request, and then there's a box on the end to check if they had said the sinner's prayer. Well, this night as I was preaching, the Holy Spirit said, make him get out of their seat and come down front. Uh, that's what you want. So I, I'm giving the invitation and I'm saying, fellas, if anybody here tonight would like to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you know, I want you, I want you to get up out of your seat and come down front. And you guys that have already accepted Christ, grab a brother, grab a brother by the arm and come. And 35 of the 36 people came Amen. that night. Right? <clears throat> Excuse me. See, in our minds, the way that, that God weaves remarkable uh, events in, in and through our lives may seem illogical and beyond our understanding. But we walk by faith, not by sight. We know that God's thoughts are above our thoughts, and God's ways are higher than our ways. See, God is far beyond anything that we could ever think or imagine. And it's hard for us to comprehend how he'll speak and work as he reaches other people through us. And so Philip hears the this, this spirit say, go over and talk to that guy in the chariot. See, Philip made himself available. Now, as we read in verse 27, this guy is a eunuch, but he wasn't your everyday run-of-the-mill eunuch. He was a unique eunuch. <laughs> he worked for the king. Uh, for, he worked for the, the queen. See, the name Candace, isn't a, it isn't a, a, a proper name. Candace wasn't the queen's name. It, it's, a, it, it's like a pharaoh. You know, back in the day, the, the king in, uh, in Egypt, he was, he was treated like a god. He didn't go to work. The queen did all the work. That's why I stay home and do nothing if Val goes to work. <laughs> I'm just reading into the text. Like Ralph, Cam like Ralph Cramden used to say, right? I'm the king, Alice. The king. Right, this guy was responsible for the treasury. Basically, he was the CFO, the chief financial officer of Ethiopia. He was trusted, respected, and, uh, and he was honored. It was a great position, a lot of responsibility. Well, this guy had been to Jerusalem to worship God, and he was heading home back to Ethiopia. Now, he, he didn't come from Ethiopia as we know it today. In ancient times, Ethiopia probably included what, what is now uh, Nubia and the, and the Sudan and all the, and all the unknown countries farther west and south. Uh, one commentator said Ethiopia was indefinitely large. I didn't know that. I had to Google that. I was looking for something to put in here. So, so he may have traveled as many as a thousand miles to, go to, to get to Jerusalem. Right? If him and his entourage travels, to, say, 30 miles a day, it's probably about a two-month uh, two-month round trip. So it seems like this guy was really sincerely seeking after God. I mean, right, to travel all those miles, his heart must have been in the right place, seeking after the Lord. And at the same time, the Spirit was, was drawing him in. Right? He had it in his heart to know God. He had gone all the way to, he had gone all the way to Jerusalem to seek the one, to worship the one true God. See, God sees every yearning heart. Amen? God sees every yearning heart. If a person is genuinely seeking after God in his heart, God will reveal his, his truth to that person. And God will use us to lead people to Christ if we make ourselves available. But 
we have to look and listen, listen for the Holy Spirit's prompting. And that's our second point this morning. We have to look and listen for the Holy Spirit's prompting. Verse 30 says, So Philip ran to him and heard, he, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, You understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? And his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. See, this is a divine appointment, right? He's standing by the road, and he gets this sense, right? I'm looking, I'm listening, and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to me. And the Holy Spirit says, run to that chariot. See, Philip was looking and listening for the Holy Spirit's prompting. So he runs to the chariot, and when he gets there, he sees this guy reading the scroll of Isaiah. And he's not just reading anywhere, right? There were 66 books, in, 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 uh, 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. And he just so happens to be reading chapter 53. Do you hate when people do that? I hate when people do that. I, I, I don't know what... And I think we would all probably agree that chapter 53 of Isaiah is the most in, important chapter in the book of Isaiah. It's, it's the presentation of the gospel. So everything is being prepared by the providence of God. The preparation work of the Holy Spirit, the ready willingness of the servant, Philip, and the searching heart of the sinner, the eunuch. Now all that was left to do was to share the word of God. And he says, I don't understand what I'm reading. So what does Philip do? He doesn't start preaching to him. He listens. And then he asks the question. See, when, when, when we, we have to listen and look for the leading of the Holy Spirit. See, Philip doesn't interrupt, and, and interrupt the guy. He just, he just listens. Then Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy says, no, I don't. Why don't you jump up here and we can have a conversation? So they have this discussion. And he's reading the book of Isaiah about how this Messiah was led to, uh, it was like a, a sheep led to slaughter. And he had to suffer and die for the forgiveness of sins. And, and he never said a word. Right, this is like one of those wow moments, right? Because Philip was looking and listening for the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He enters into this divine moment. And some people might say, well, this is a, a neat little coincidence, right? But we know that coincidence is just God remaining anonymous. Amen? Right? Coincidence is just God remaining anonymous. <clears throat> God arranging all the circumstances and moments. Because it's at, it's at this moment that this guy is hungry. He's searching. He's reading. And he wants to know what, what, God word, what God's word says and how does it affect my life. And Philip says, what you're reading is the prophecy about a man named Jesus. He's the son of God who came to earth. He died on the cross, but God raised him from the dead. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can be saved. Now, this tells us something very important about how the, the Spirit works through people individually, right? We're probably not the first person who's going to talk to someone about a relationship with God or the issues of eternity or heaven and hell or who Jesus is, right? Never miss an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. 
Never miss an opportunity to tell people about Jesus. See, God has been working in people's lives, organizing circumstances that maybe we're there at just the right time to lead a person to Christ. And sometimes it's the pain and the disappointment in people's lives that are leading there. So if we have a friend and we say, you know, he's going through a really hard time, well, I can't really tell him about Jesus now. That's probably the perfect time. See, it's when we run out of answers, we, we begin to search. And here's the thing. If we want this vibrant relationship with the Holy Spirit, to have this amazing relationship with Jesus, we can't stay safe sitting in our pews. We can't stay safe, safe in, our, in our little uh, 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 safe little house. If we never step out into uncomfortable space, it can stop us from living our Christian life to its fullest, right? Uh, I'm good. You know, I feel very uncomfortable sharing the gospel. Eh, someone else will do it. Have you ever wanted to share the gospel with someone and you begin to talk? Hey, buddy, uh, you, you got a minute? I, I, I want to tell you how nice that shirt looks on you. <laughs> right? We chicken out. All of a sudden, we chicken out. Anybody ever chicken out? Anybody? All, everybody, his hands should be up because it's happened to everybody, right? And if you ever chickened out, you're in good company because it was the disciples, the men who followed Jesus Christ for over three years, who found themselves after the, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, not only filled with faith, but filled with doubt, insecurity, and fear. See, if you're a Christian, sharing the gospel isn't an option. It's a command. It's known as the Great Commission. See, Jesus, uh, Jesus told his followers in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. The first two letters of gospel is G-O, go. People, people ask from time to time, what, what's, what's God's will for my life? Well, if we share the gospel and what God has done in our life with other people, we'll be right in the center of God's will. See, in the book of Acts, we see these men and women who were stepping into very uncomfortable moments and situations, and they don't have the word to say, right? And in that moment, they say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, give me courage and wisdom. And we see God show up for them as they show up in very uncomfortable places. So how does this happen in our world today? Well, it happens all the time for people who are paying attention and saying, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, even, my, even in my pain, let me share Jesus Christ with people. I think of Wayne and Dick Canfield. Right? They're laying in the hospital bed. They don't know whether they're going to live or die. And they're sharing the gospel with everybody that came in the room, the doctors, the nurses, the people who were going to draw blood, the food service people. Right, the people that were the housekeeping people. How about our buddy Jerry? He tells everybody he meets that he how much Jesus loves them. In fact, I saw him last week in a store. He was sharing the gospel with a mannequin. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, Jerry. <laughs> I, the Holy Spirit told me to say it. I, uh, blame him, not me. <laughs> so. <laughs> So even if we've taken that step of faith and it, and it hasn't worked, we should say, God, I want to try again. This time with your power, with your wisdom, and with your, and with your grace. That's what the Holy Spirit loves to do.
And as we read the book of Acts, the miracles that are happening, these spiritual breakthroughs, most of them aren't happening in church. Most of them are happening on, on, on the streets, the intersections of life. Christians filled with the Holy Spirit are going out and saying, you got to meet this Jesus. And when we share the gospel and leave the results to, to God, people will respond. And that's our third point this morning. Look at verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch, the eunuch said, see, here's some water. <clears throat> what prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he, as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Now, Azotus, that was the name given by the, the Greek and Roman writers to the, the, the city of Ashad. It was an ancient city of, of, of Palestine, and today uh, uh, Ashad is... Uh, uh, an Israeli city, uh, and, and I believe it's the largest port in Jerusalem. So as they rode along, they come to some water in the desert. This is another miracle in our story, amen? And the Ethiopian suddenly asks, what stops me from being baptized? Now, doesn't it seem odd that he wanted to be baptized before expressing faith in Jesus Christ? So odd, in fact, that the King James Version added verse 37, which, if you notice, isn't in our ESV Bible and, much, and many other versions, too, most other versions. But the, the King James uh, Verse uh, 37 says, And Philip said, If you believe with your heart, you may be baptized. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, Scripture doesn't include every word that's spoken by every person or, or between people. It doesn't even try. Right? If Scripture did that, everything uh, included everything in the Bible, the, the Bible would be huge, right? In fact, John, uh, John in his gospel tells, uh, says, and there are also many other things which, Je which Jesus did, which if they were all written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books which were written. See, Scripture doesn't try to explain every detail and event. Scripture seeks to communicate a message. So there's nothing, nothing wrong here. There's, there's nothing untrue here. Well, at any rate, uh, Philip and the eunuch are down into the water, and most certainly he's, he's dunked, not, 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 not sprinkled. And as they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord takes Philip away, and the eunuch goes on his way rejoicing. And when we know that we're saved from the penalty and the guilt of sin, that God has redeemed us and he's made us a new creation, that he's adopted us into his family, we ought to be rejoicing too. See, continual and consistent joy in the Lord, it should characterize those of us who have been born of God. One way to spot a Christian should be by seeing their joy in the Lord. And this doesn't mean that we have a silly grin on our face all the time. I mean, there was a time in my life when I walked around with an illegal silly grin on my face all the time. But the way that we live our lives should demonstrate that the Spirit of God is living in us. God himself, who's the fountain of all joy, resides in us. See, a, a true faith rests in God alone. A, a true faith continues to rejoice in the Lord, not for a few days, not for a few weeks, 
but year after year after year. I wonder if others could spot us because of our overflowing joy. Hmm. Good question. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit convicted me on when I was preparing this sermon. So as we read the end of the story, this Ethiopian eunuch, we don't hear anything else about him. He goes back to Ethiopia. The man who, ha who can't have kids, he becomes the father of the church of Ethiopia in Ethiopia. And Philip, we only see his name one more time in, in, in the Bible. That's Acts 21. He's called Philip the Evangelist. You see, when, when Paul shows up in Caesarea where Philip had moved, it says Philip the Evangelist had a house and he was raising four unmarried daughters who were prophets. He must have been full of the Holy Spirit, right? Four, four unmarried daughters who were prophets. Think about that for a second. <laughs> See, Philip the Evangelist, who, who, who brought revival to Samaria and led this eunuch to salvation, he could have been famous, right? He, he, he could have had uh, stadium crusades all over the place. But the fastest way to quench the Holy Spirit of God is to make the, the work of God about us. See, because the Spirit of God isn't pointing people to us. He's pointing them to Jesus. He always points them to Jesus. And when the, when the Spirit of God was done using Philip in such a, an extraordinary way, he began using Philip in what might, what might be considered a, a, a common way, right? Raising four daughters who influenced the church in Caesarea. And you know, he may be working in ordinary ways in our lives too. But ordinary, word, ordinary ways filled with God's Spirit, it can change the world. God wants to awaken us to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Are you awake? Are we awake? Have you been listening for the Holy Spirit? Or have you been sleepwalking? See, in Ephesians 5, Paul recites that in Ephesians, a line of a song that they used to sing in the early church. And here's how the early church would see their relationship with the Holy Spirit. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, the early church would sing this song, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You see, that means we could be a Christian and we could look like we're awake, but we're really asleep. We all know that we could talk in our sleep, right? That's why one, one way value is to find out about all the stuff I was doing. Harry, give us another round here. Take one for yourself. Right, honey? <laughs> but we, 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 can, we can walk while we're asleep. Anybody know a sleepwalker? Pretty, pretty dangerous here on the 15th floor. Did you know that we can sleep, we, we can think while we're asleep? See, what, while we're asleep, we can think, we can walk, and we can talk. Some people can't do that when they're awake. <laughs> and Paul is saying the same thing is true for Christians, the Christian church, even back in the day when all these amazing things were going on. So Paul says, wake up, rise and shine. There are opportunities all around us, and we have to make the most of every opportunity. And this is what the church needs now. This is what our church needs now. <clears throat> and this is what we need too. Not only as a church, but as individuals as well. Paul says, wake up. Wake up. People need to know the love of Christ. 
to know that they could be forgiven of their sins and that their souls matter to God. What if we prayed for someone right now and we knew who we knew was, had lost a loved one, a prodigal, maybe a person who has never known the Christian faith? What if we listened enough to get a Holy Spirit-inspired question? You see, those conversations lead to side conversations, and those side conversations lead to eternal conversations. See, if we're listening for the Holy Spirit's prompting and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, there'll be something awesome that, that comes out of that. <clears throat> what, if people <coughs> what if people pray today, God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And over the next week or the next couple of weeks, we're listening for the prompting, the prodding of the Holy Spirit. Looking for the work of the Holy Spirit. Say, God, God, fill me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I know some of you are saying, now, hey, wait a minute, I got a question. Isn't it true that when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes into our life? And the answer is yes, that's true. Thank you for thinking along with me. See, in Ephesians, in Ephesians 1, Paul says, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? That means when we become a Christian, Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit and the power of God and the person of God takes up re residence in our, inside our, our heart and our life. So Paul is praying four chapters. So why is Paul praying four chapters later, pray to be filled with the Spirit? Well, I, this is an important distinction, and maybe some of us haven't thought about it. In Ephesians 18, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. See, this isn't something that we can produce. It's something that we receive. It means to be continuously filled. It's something that we want, something that we need. It's not something that we can manufacture. And so it's this continu continuous prayer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard a person uh, uh, pray, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit? And you're thinking, don't do it, God. Don't do it. She lied to me last night. She was talking about him the other day. God, don't do it. Don't fill him with the Holy Spirit. She's good in church, but an hour later, she's terrible for the next 23 hours. But welcome to the human race. We all leak. Especially after I turn 60, it seems to be happening a little bit more too. But You know how Paul describes Christians? He says we're like jars of clay, filled with an all-surpassing power, the power of God himself. And we leak, and we need to be continuously filled. This is a human condition. You see, if we drank a gallon of water yesterday, we were fully hydrated, and, and we quenched our thirst. But guess what? Today we need to drink more water again because our bodies become dry, and our, and, and our spirit and our souls can become dry too, even though we have a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Fellas, this, this is like the relationship with our wives, right? I told you 30 years ago, I love you. If things change, I'll let you know. Right? That's not a relationship, right? That's, that's, a, that's an agreement that happened in the past. See, and although we're saved, and we're still saved, that doesn't mean that we're walking in the power and the vibrancy and the intensive relationship with the Holy Spirit, the way the Holy Spirit wants us to have. See, there's a difference between the knowledge of God and an experience with God. There's a difference between the knowledge of the Holy Spirit and an experience with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said God gives the Holy Spirit without measure. He pours out the power and the gifting of the Spirit in ways that, uh, that overflow out of us. 
See, we want to have as much of God's presence and power and joy and peace and wisdom that the Holy Spirit wants to pour into us. I hope we do. I hope we do. We can't produce this. We can't make it happen. We have to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. You see, friends, God wants to awaken us to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And when we make ourselves available, God will use us. But we have to look and listen for the Holy Spirit's prompting. And if we do, when we share the gospel with others and leave the results to God, people will respond. Amen?